then here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort. Slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Hello there, Hawkeye fans, and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Rapid Reaction Podcast here on hawkfanatic.com. I'm your host, Rob Howe. It is about 3.35 p.m. Central Time on New Year's Day. Happy New Year to everybody. You'll see if you're watching on the YouTube stream, driving in his car, as former Hawkeye running back Jordan Canzeri. We hope to be joined soon by Jovan Johnson. Um, he'll hop in here when he can. Uh, hopefully before we're done here, we may lose Jordan as well. He's driving through some of the uh, North, uh, upstate New York uh, woods. Uh, I know that area well. My mom lives back there. But uh, Happy New Year, Jordan. I wish it was a, we were talking about uh, a better outcome here. But uh, Iowa finishes up the season at 10-4, and four, still a 10-win season. We'll get into this a little bit later. I want to just say I want to start this on a positive note. And just relay a story from the pandemic back in 2020. Um, I was on a walk in a local park here. And I see this guy doing individual like sprints and like pass rush drills and like working on his pass rush moves. I'm like, who the hell is that? It's Joe Evans. Uh, And I see him working out during the pandemic by himself, obviously. We're all freaked out and not wanting to be in groups. He's out there getting work done. I think he had four sacks today, Jordan. Uh, what a great career, man. Six years. I think he finished sixth in Iowa history in sacks. Uh, former walk-on linebacker. Just a great story. We've had a lot of them in Hawkeye history, and I think he's he's right up there. Yeah, last time I was in Iowa City uh, for um... – the senior game, Illinois, I got an opportunity to see him and, you know, to exchange words. And, yeah, just a great guy, hard worker. Um, I think they said he was tied six now in history, sixth or fifth um, in sacks. But, yeah, just um, to see a leader, um, a competitor, just another great, story from just an Iowa guy rising up the ranks and working hard to become, you know, a true asset is just always good to see. Yeah. And I thought the, I thought the defense for the most part gave up more rushing yards than I think they wanted to. Um, But it's, it's a different dynamic, isn't it, Jordan, when you have a running quarterback and I think that was part of the issue today. You have another guy to account for. Would you would you agree with that? Definitely. Um, we faced one of the better, you know, you know, they all they did was talk about that kid's accolades and his, you know, how
You can definitely see that that kid is gonna be, you know, um, someone to reckon with in the SEC next year, even. But yeah, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to kind of adjust on the fly. A kid that only played. Games and on and off, you know, you know, have a lot of film on to come out there and to show you that. Unpause. All right, we're back. We got him back. Uh, he must have hit a good pocket here in the woods in the Catskill Mountains. Uh, yeah, just continue what you were talking about, about uh, Nico. I won't try to pronounce his last name. Maybe you can pronounce it. Ragaini? No, the other Nico, the Ragaini. quarterback for Tennessee. I can get oh. Ragaini. The other guy I can't get. I'm a ghoulie. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough uh, – that's a tough last name for sure. Yeah, but just, you know, you obviously – I mean, he's a five-star recruit. Tennessee paid a lot to get him. Um, Alabama, Georgia, everybody wanted him. And you can see why. 6'6", with that type of athletic ability and skill set, uh, just poise – impressed me today you, you figure a true freshman starting his first game in a bowl game against one of the country's best defenses I think his poise was the most impressive thing for me yeah no very complete quarterback so again I, I can definitely tell he's going to be somebody to watch in the future but um, yeah definitely was a lot more effective offensively than I thought Tennessee was going to be today but again it's tough where we get, you know, being put in positions of having to constantly be on the field and, you know, a pick six, a fumble, and giving them the ball right in the, you know, two, three-yard line. It's a lot to deal with. So, you know, it's it's tough. But, you know, the defense has played amazing all year, and um, it's it's definitely a sad way to see him go out. Yeah, no doubt. Not the way you want to end the season. The Hawkeyes this year played three ranked teams, Penn State, Michigan, and Tennessee, and were outscored 92-0 to zero in those three games, three shutouts. So it's obvious that the offense needs to be addressed. We've known that. We've talked about it throughout this season. It's somewhat of a miracle that this team won 10 games with how as, as inconsistent as this offense has been, um, that that play that was the interception in the end zone, Jordan. How much? I mean, how deflating is that when you you know you're in a game, you you got an opportunity. Offensive chances this year have been um, sparse. Um, how deflating is that when you have a play like that when you're when you're going in at worst to maybe get a field goal. 
very deflating. You know, it's regardless on offense to turn the ball over is a deflating moment, but to know that offense has been a struggle, but then to get the ball down in the red, uh, uh, give the ball back. It, it, it hurts. It hurts, but you know, I know it wasn't really something looming them going forward because they're used to, you know, adversity used to having. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483. 400-4483. Hi, this is AJ Perez, managing partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance has served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you. Call Lance Bolin at 319-640-1116. That's 319-640-1116. Or visit LJ underscore construction on Instagram for licensed and insured electrical work, fire and water restoration, and remodeling. Straight from the Man Cave Kinnick Under the Kitchen, authentic, original player artwork is being drawn up for Hawkeye fans everywhere. Locally made prints of stars wearing the black and gold from the past, present, and future. How about current Hawkeye superstars Cooper DeGene and Tori Taylor? Legends of the past like Jack Campbell, Spencer Lee, and Tim Dwight. Plus future phenoms like Aaron Graves. There are so many options available. They make great gifts and your purchase benefits the Hawkeye athletes wearing the black and gold. Visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook or at Under the Kitchen's new website. That's underthekitchen.square.site. Again, that's underthekitchen.square.site. Check out Under the Kitchen today and get your authentic, original Hawkeye print. What did you see in terms of Tennessee being able to run the ball? I know we talked a little bit before about um, the Tennessee quarterback having the ability to run and having to deal with that. But it just seemed like Iowa's defensive line wasn't in the right place at times, getting you know out of their gaps. What did you see with Tennessee being able to run the ball? Well, again, I mean, they were a lot more effective on the ground than I expected or if anybody really expected going into the game. But uh, it, it's it's hard unless to really, like, watch the film and break it down. But it could be misassignments and, you know, little things that turn into the big plays. But, again, it's just tough when you are on the field for such long periods of time. And, and again, realizing that with not having much film on that this quarterback you're now facing is a very mobile athlete that now when they started to do a lot more of their zone read games it's just that much harder to defend because you truly do have to acknowledge for the quarterback 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it was definitely just more than they probably expected, but, um, still a surprise. I don't want to dump on Deacon Hill because he was put in this position probably before he was ready. Um, based on Cade McNamara's injury, um, you know, he came here and didn't think he'd end up playing this year. Um, he's just struggled, Jordan. And I don't know, I didn't think the offensive line helped him a ton today. Um, but he just, there were drop passes. It, it, I know a lot falls on him and ultimately is the quarterback, but I thought it was more than that today. It, 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 the guys around him, I don't think, helped as much as they could have. Yeah, and that's the tough thing where, you know, there were moments where even the announcers, you know, sometimes they just say stuff to say stuff to <laughs> fill in gaps. But, you know, I, I at least agreed a few times that it did seem that, Hill went and looked through his progressions and nobody was open, you know, even with them having losses to their secondary, they still were playing and performing very well against our own offend, uh, offensive weapons. And yeah, there are moments where we, there was a first down that uh, Brown dropped, which that was major early. Oh, excuse me. And then um, same is later where we might not have gotten the first down, but it would have definitely put us in a better position in punting the ball and Brown dropped another one. And there was, you know, certain other ones with timing and um, from again, it's 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 not always easy to pinpoint just on one person, but there were plays that had to be made and that could have been made or and some that should have even been made that we just if you don't capitalize on against a good team, you get, you know, um, outcomes like today. And the, and the interception in the end zone, end zone was on him. He, he stared that receiver down. The safety saw it and jumped the, the, they had the receiver bracketed pretty much. And he just jumped that route. It seems like Deacon has a tendency to lock on his receivers sometimes. And the defense sees that. Is that something you've noticed? Uh, I mean, yeah, like, you know, there's, there's a a lot of things again, but it's just moments like that. Again, it it makes a huge difference if you don't play effectively and smart where we had guaranteed points that we gave away. And that's detrimental, uh, especially that early in the game and how our style of gameplay is as well. But, um, yeah, there's, you know, like as we kind of touched on, there's at least hope that there's a lot returning for next year. And I know they're going to be real hungry, especially on the offensive side. What did you think of Marco Inez, the true freshman, when he got in there? What did you think he brought to the table? Definitely showed that he at least is part running back. Like, he uh, ran gritty, got big first down conversions, um, you know, even that last con- uh, four down conversion that he tried to throw it to Ragagini, um, it, it was the right read, but just a little behind. So, again, it's it's at least showing uh, glimmers of hope where he definitely with what they showed on TV, they had a you know, he had a very impressive high school year with 6000 plus yards and like 70 plus touchdowns. So. You know, you never know what he can turn into as well. So 
a bright future at least. And uh, I can't remember the name as well, but I'm pretty sure this one kid I was looking at, um, we got a good um, quarterback commit. And then again, McAmara coming back. So, you know, there definitely is a lot of positives for the offense looking forward to next season. But again, just wish that for themselves first and foremost and for the team and, you know, just wish that they could have been a little bit su successful today just for themselves to end on a better note. Yeah, James Rezar is the quarterback you were thinking about from, from Jacksonville, Florida, and he's kind of a guy that can use his legs as well. How much do you think Iowa needs with the new offensive coordinator to maybe get, you know, I think Cade has that ability, but there's a little bit of a question mark just because he's coming off injury, but, he abil but the ability to have a quarterback that's able to move. It's everything. You see even – you know, throughout college footballs, the best quarterbacks are dual threat. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson for the NFL, I think, might win the MVP dual threat. It's just when you're in scenarios that nothing else works, you just got to trust your person to just be an athlete and they can somehow get a 30-yard run where, you know, I was blessed to have that out of C.J. Beathard. There were countless times that he got us out of a pinch with his feet and was just a person who was willing to freaking put his body on the line for first down. It's when you have that, it just an offensive coordinator in high school, big kid, it doesn't matter the plays you call. If you have somebody who's special and they can make you bright all the time, you know, it's definitely a blessing to have. Um, you were on a team that um, had a rough bowl game, uh, you know, in the Rose Bowl. You guys had a great season, made the Big Ten Championship, lost the heartbreaker, and – um, I think it was the Iowa State game where CJ had that big run for you guys. Just to, I was in my mental Rolodex. I'm thinking, what what were some big plays? And and CJ's run at, in Ames was certainly big. But what what do you do to kind of move on from what Iowa experienced today? I know it's the end of a season. It's a new team next year, but you got to flush this one. Even moving into off season workouts, into spring ball, what do you take out of this? How do you process this to be a positive or at least make it a positive moving forward? Well, I mean, I, I would just say with most things in life, it's just the perspective. Like you can end this bowl game and look into next season like, wow, I can't believe that happened. And how how good are we going to be? Like, can we really, you know, asking all the wrong things? But I remember – when we faced Tennessee and we got pulverized in the tax layer bowl, um, that was the same thing that I remember thinking was seeing the brothers of mine that owned that, that was their very last game in an Iowa uniform, you know, to see how upset they were, some crying, some just devastated, some, you know, it just, you can tell it really hurt. You know, that was motivation for myself. And I know a lot of other guys at the same as well. When you see a brother of yours like hurt like that, you want to make sure that like your group that you're now, 
next year going to be ending with or just whoever else is on the team with you that doesn't have to face that. So it's just taking the right type of tools and applying them to like see what can really be used as motivation going forward. But, um, you know, they, they got a lot to look forward to. Yeah, a lot you mentioned, a lot of guys coming back on defense. Luke Lachey coming back next year, which I think will be a huge bonus for Iowa. When you look at this, now that you've had, like, the season to look at what Iowa did offensively this year, Jordan, what would you hope to see from the new guy coming in? We talk about complementary football. What kind of offense can complement what Iowa does because I think Iowa football still is what it is. You want to have a defense. You want to have a good special teams. But you you got to get more out of the offense to complement that. Just generally, well, you know, we could talk about specifics at a different time. But just generally, what type of offense do you think can complement what Iowa does in the other two phases? Well, I would say what even showed with the Ohio State game is even not just having a phenomenal quarterback, it's the hardest position for a reason, so don't get me wrong, but when you don't have a offensive weapon like a receiver, you can literally throw it up and pray to and they come down with it. It's, it's really hard to be effective because, again, if you're a quarterback, but every time you look up, every single receiver you have is completely smothered there's not much you can do. So I think what I would love to personally see, whether it's a transfer or heck, even if it's a one and a half star like I was, take a chance on a kid to get some recruit or freshman or again, a transfer who's just a six, three plus receiver who is willing to just go up and for the ball and and I'm fine with the game we play running the ball being effective play action slow game you know um, wearing teams down but having the ability to still do otherwise by having weapons where if we do have to go more spread it's again it's within the receivers and just having a lot more effective individuals in that position group where we had some really talented guys but again, uh, were they individuals who could truly separate and you could truly throw a, a 1v1 ball up to? So um, that, that's something I think could go a long way because um, we still have those pieces. Otherwise, I think, as you said, Lachey coming back, McAmara will be back. We got a, a stable of running backs, you know, so um, there's little things that we could add that can make a huge difference. Yeah, no doubt. And if you think about it, Charlie Jones walked on from Buffalo, uh, ended up coming to Iowa, and then ended up at Purdue, unfortunately. But somebody, there are receivers out there. There are guys that can help. Reese Vandersee um, from Central Lion here in Iowa, he's a bigger, taller, wide receiver. So maybe he can help in that area as well. I think it'd be remiss of us Jordan, and we've talked about him a ton the last two years doing this podcast, but it was his last game today, uh, and he leaves as college football's all-time leading punter. He uh, broke a record that was set in 1938 by some guy from Michigan State. I think they were still wearing leather helmets back then, but um, 
I'll let you have the floor here just on what Tory Taylor's meant to this program and, you know, how amazing this has been from a guy who never even saw an American football game until he came here his freshman year. Just, again, another beautiful story where it's the one thing that it's funny that people will say which is very true. Like you don't really notice things until like you have actually have reason to look out for them. Like I, I didn't know much about Iowa at all when I was in high school or if anything, but once I became a Hawkeye and came out there and came back home, I, I noticed so much Iowa around me license plate with the Iowa, you know, logo on it, just a bunch of little things. And, and then just being a part of it all when you see alumni doing well and uh, people that are still at the university doing well, it just has that you know sense of family and everything to it. But I am somebody who just also argues that you can't look at another university and find as many like cool stories other than Iowa or individuals that are just playing just groundbreaking just doing amazing things nfl one position group having four of the top five tight ends you know caitlin clark you you don't even need to go into how amazing she is and you know the children's hospital and just so when you just get more and more like cool stories like tori taylor's and as we even said like evans earlier being proud to you know be a Hawkeye and and to just experience more student athletes continue to do. Yeah, no doubt. And uh we'll see what this team does here. We're waiting on um you know, the offensive coordinator higher. Um, not the way Brian Ferentz wanted to go out. Um, he was on the staff uh, when you were here. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I I don't know. You know, I look back, Jordan, at like 2019 when there were pieces there. Um, you know, Nate Stanley was in, a, you know, a third-year starter by then. You had Amir Smith-Marset. You had Brandon Smith. Um, there, there were weapons on that team, and they looked great. They tore USC apart in the Holiday Bowl to where they are now. I, I, I People have asked me how it got to this point, um, and I know you know Brian has a good offensive mind. What do you think happened? Why, how did they get to this point? where it it was what we saw today. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's just a lot where I show otherwise. I just still, regardless of me being biased, but I personally just feel that if Cade, if, Lachey, if all didn't get hurt, like it, we could have just had a incredibly different season. 
Um, where again, certain play calls were made that were effective, but thrown, or again, we, we just let certain gaps in the offensive line where quarterback gets hit while trying to throw Like there's just so much, there's so much going on. And then at the same time, to be honest, yeah, there are some play calls that, you know, I disagreed with, but you know, I, I, I do feel bad that Brian, Ferentz had to face what he had to face this year, especially again when we had incredible chess pieces that early on were taken away that would have been really fun to be able to watch and see. So, you know, I'm obviously very curious to see who gets the job, but, you know, I, I thought um, Brian had to take a lot more on than what someone else normally would have to in that position. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, got to tie some things together this year uh, in the offseason. Uh, offensive coordinator, get Cade McNamara healthy, Luke uh, back and healthy. But like you said, I think other than Rusty Feth on the offensive line should have everybody back. Um, but, yeah, need to address that receiver position, no doubt, and try to get some guys that can make some plays down the field. We saw that today in a bunch of bowl games. Wisconsin had some guys that were like, wow. Where'd this guy come from in in their game? So that's certainly what we need. All right, Jordan, I'm going to let you roll. Um, I appreciate you doing this again this year. Maybe we'll get something together here in the offseason after the offensive coordinators hired spring ball, do something like that. But really appreciate your time, and uh, thanks for doing this, man. And I'm going to give Jovan a few more minutes, and if he doesn't come on, I'm going to watch the Rose Bowl. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hate to say it, but at the same time, got to rep the Big Ten. But, yeah, need Michigan to get this win to to um, look good. But, no, happy to do it. Uh, can't wait to see what we do next. And, uh, again, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you. Thanks again, Jordan. Be well, my friend. All right, you as well. I'll see you. Lynn? And now we're joined by Jovan Johnson. You heard Jordan Canzeri's feedback on today's Citrus Bowl. Um, we now have Jovan here. Jovan, I mean, a lot of what we saw this year, right? The defense kind of did what it could while it could. Um, although I thought Tennessee ran the ball a little bit better than I would have expected today. But uh, again, just tough to win without an offense that's a threat. Yeah, I mean, whenever you play defense and you're on the field for a majority of the game, it's tough. And when you're playing against a Tennessee team, Tennessee does – some things that are unorthodox, the way they spread people out and make you have to defend every inch of the field. Um, so it, it kind of opens up the run game. And then, you know, a lot of teams, when you play that too high shell and that's your predominant uh, defensive scheme against a team like Tennessee, they can they can bleed you a little bit uh, because you don't have anybody in the in the in the box to account for the quarterback. So it, it makes it a little bit tougher. Um, but defensively, I thought they got some stops. They played fairly decent, but you know, once you, once you get, once you start to bleed, it's hard to stop the bleed. Yeah, no doubt. And the, 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 uh, interception in the end zone early was just, that just was a backbreaker, especially when you know your offensive opportunities are going to be limited here. I asked Jordan this 
seems like Deacon sometimes gets locked on a receiver or you can see where his eyes are. On that play, it looked like the the corner was behind, um, I think it was Nico, and then the safety was underneath and it almost became a bracket coverage because he read Deacon's eyes. Is that what you saw? What did you see on that play? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times down in the red zone, you know, defensive backs are being taught especially the safeties to read the quarterback's eyes. And when he, when he looks a certain direction to buzz into that window, so that that throws out of there and then it being a tight window throw, I mean, that's a difficult throw to make for anybody. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, down in the red area probably wasn't the greatest call, but you know, as a quarterback, you got to be able to look defenders off before you come back to where you want to go with the ball. Like you said, if you're locked on a receiver, you know, 10 times out of 10, you know, that ball is going to get deflected or, or something bad is going to happen because the, the DBs are being taught to read your quarterback's eyes. Yeah, no doubt. And I thought, I mean, I, I didn't think Deacon played well, Jovan, but I, I didn't think his receivers helped him. I mean, there were drops. Uh, the, the offensive line had some – some, you know, some breakdowns where he got pressure before he could even do anything. Um, it was more than him today. Would you agree? 100%. I mean, football is the ultimate team game. Uh, if one area is lacking, then, you know, you see, you can see it in other areas. So, you know, yeah, I mean, the quarterback wasn't great, but, you know, there's other factors in the game that didn't play well as, as well. Um. What did you think of the young kid that came in, Marco Lanez, when he came in? Um, I think it was after the was it after it was after the pick six, I think, when the game was kind of out of yeah, hand. Was, what did you see right. from him though? What what did he bring when he got into the game? I mean, the first when he first got in the game, the first play, you know, they went empty. Uh he diagnosed the receivers weren't there, he tucked it and ran. I think that's the missing piece. That's one thing that Deacon doesn't do enough of especially when they go into those empty formations is trusting that if you have the ability to get a positive gain of yardage, take it instead of forcing it when you don't have it. Um, and I thought the young kid came in, made some nice runs. Uh, he diagnosed things. Well, I mean, I, I ended up turning the game off um, after his first series, but you know, I thought, I thought in his series, it was, he, I was impressed. I mean, He's the type of kid that can make some things happen when all else breaks down. I like the the fact that he's willing to use his feet and not just standing in the pocket. Yeah, no doubt. And and to your point, Jovan, there was a play um, that J- Deacon did get. He picked up a first down, I think, on one of the runs when he realized nothing was there. I just think he needed to do more of that. And I don't know if that he was coached to stay back there and not run or what, but it just seemed like teams were willing to give that up and Iowa didn't take it throughout, you know, a lot of, at least the second part of this season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that that's one of the things as a quarterback where you got to have that clock and your mental uh, makeup to know, like, if it's not there, read one or read two is not there and you have the ability to escape to make it a positive play instead of standing in there and taking a sack. I mean, I think that that helps the offense stay on schedule. Um, 
because it's no different than just checking it down to the running back and getting a three, four yard gain instead of a eight yard loss. I asked this of, of Jordan as well, Jovan, and we've talked about this a lot, some things that you would like to see Iowa do on offense. Now is this clean slate, right? They've made the decision. The athletic department made the decision to move on from Brian Ferentz. We can debate all we want about, you know, how much was his fault, how much was injuries, all that. The fact of the matter is Iowa is moving on on offense. I think we can agree that the the foundation is going to be Coach Kirk Ferentz's offense. And I have no problem with play action, running the football, not going slow, huddling up, all that. I That can work. We see it work all over the country. What elements would you like to see in this new offense for Iowa, knowing that you're still going to rely on defense and special teams and complementary football? I mean, if, if I would like to just see a little bit more multiple and the approach, um, you know, going out, recruit some receivers that can run, that can stretch the field, that can open up the play action, you know, for the tight ends across the middle of the field and things like that. But, you know, just being able to take some more shots down the field and then utilize your tight ends in ways that, you know, aren't the traditional, like the two tight end sets, you know, the that we're used to seeing Iowa get into, maybe using a tight end like Luke Lachey that can split out in the slot, motion them in, you know, maybe have them crack down on the defensive end and pull a tackle around, you know, just some different variations of, of the scheme to make it look different to the other the other teams. I think that a lot of times teams have started to get comfortable with what Iowa do offensively, and they, they started to try to take advantage of it. And if it's not there, typically all things break down. Uh, when they're that first or second reason out there. So then they start, you know, trying to do too much and it overcompensates for what you want to get done. We talked, touched on this a little bit earlier uh, when we first started talking. Um, What did you think of Iowa's defense today? I know they were on the field a ton, but um, didn't get the takeaways this season. That seemed to be the one thing. And maybe that's the offenses that play against them not taking as many chances. Did you see that? It seemed like, especially when teams got a lead on Iowa, they really went conservative. Yeah, they're not. I mean, teams understand that Iowa is going to protect the deep ball. They're not going to give up the big plays. So they're they're comfortable with taking the five-yard hitches, you know, the five-yard slants, you know, trying to make a, a seven, eight-yard gain on a, a five-yard throw. Um and making you have to come down and tackle. They're they're content with that, especially knowing that the offense is struggling and not scoring points. Teams aren't going to force the ball down the field and try to make plays. They're going to stay on schedule and make you have to try to score points to keep up. And it unfortunately, that doesn't work in Iowa favor when the offense isn't scoring as much. It was the last time we got to see him. We've seen him. We've talked about him a lot, Jovan. Uh, I think it's... It's appropriate and, um, yeah, appropriate. Tory Taylor today became the all-time leading punter in yardage in college football history. He broke a record from 1938, some dude at Michigan State when they were wearing leather helmets, I think. Um, <laughs> just speak a little bit to what he's meant to this program and how big was he this year when you don't have an offense to get to 10 wins I mean, I, he was as much the MVP of this team as anybody, right? 
Yeah, I think he he it'd be a close call between him and Cooper DeGene, but I mean Tory Taylor, his impact on the game for the whole year, I mean for throughout his career, but just this year in general, I mean he's been the catalyst for the success that they've had uh collectively because of his ability to just change field position. I've I've seen numerous times where the offense is backed up and he's punting the ball from the 10 yard line to the other teams inside their 20. Like that, that's a, a major field shift um, for the defense. When you are able to do that, a lot of punters are punting the ball somewhere around midfield and he's putting them back, backed up in inside the 20. So, you know, he's, he's as much as the MVP um, of the team this, this year than anybody because of his value of being able to change the field and that, and, and, you know, basically, uh, and and apply that hidden yardage uh, that people don't really see. Yeah, I should clarify my comments. Single season punting record um, from nineteen thirty thirty eight. So, um, I guess just generally before I cut you loose, Jovan, to enjoy the rest of your New Year's and these playoff games. Um, how do you feel as an alum, as a player? where the program is at right now going into next year after what you saw this year, how are you feeling about 2024 since we hit a new year? I'm I'm always as an alumni and someone who played under this current staff and, and know what, knowing what they bring to the table. I'm always optimistic. Um, I think that they have the ability to continue to win 10 plus games in a season and continue to win the big 10 West. Um, and put themselves in, in a predicament to uh, win the Big Ten, and possibly with the twelve the twelve team playoff format, be able to get in that twelve team playoff. Um, but there, I mean, obviously, there's some things that need to get addressed. Obviously, the quarterback situation is one of them. Um, getting some explosive receivers is another. You know, you have a good problem in the running back room, and uh, and then you you continue to build on the offensive line um, and. Defensively, they're gonna they're gonna continue to be successful because uh, the scheme's not gonna change. They're gonna continue to get good defenders um, and be able to develop guys into becoming great defenders uh, throughout their careers. That's what they've done in the history of the program, and definitely definitely since Ferentz has been there, is being able to over get some overachievers on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but just addressing the offensive issues, hopefully whoever the next offensive coordinator is um, has a scheme that works um, and, and does some, some dynamic things on the field for the offense. If they could get the offense figured out, they'd be in national championship contention. So, I mean, it, it, it I'm always optimistic about the program and, and where they're headed, especially when you win 10 games without even having uh, a top offense anywhere in the country. No doubt. I want to let folks know that support for the podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at SUI.org. That is SUI.org. You were on, last one I lied, you were on the 2002 team. Uh Um, You guys had a great season, but did not play well in the bowl game. And then you yes. came back the next year and had another good season, got back to a bowl game. 
you you re, you responded to what happened to you guys in the Orange Bowl. Right. What did you do, and what can this team do to make sure they can take a step forward off of what happened today going into twenty twenty four? I mean that that Orange Bowl game. Um, you know, we didn't play our best football, but I think we were up against the best team in the nation. Um, Agreed. I agree might, with they that. They might they might not get. Um, might not go down in the in the books as being a national champion, but I thought I thought that USC team was the best team in the nation that year. Um, yeah. and they were they were I mean from top to bottom they were very good offensively and defensively. Um, and we started the game out on the right foot, but we just didn't finish. I mean I think they had some crazy team speed, and we just we just couldn't get in a rhythm um, on either side of the ball. Um, but at the end of the day. You know, we took that on. We took that one on the chin and and came back in in the next year, saying that we wouldn't, we were not going to allow that to happen again. Um, so we were far more prepared um, than we were in, in that 2002 game for going into 2003. And I thought, you know, offensively, we were able to to do some things um, that we weren't able to do in 2002. And then defensively, we were able to get off the field a lot more effectively. Um, and put our, our offense back in position to make some plays. And able to bounce back and beat Florida in the Outback Bowl. And I still remember Ron Zook uh, thinking that Nate Kading was a running back. And uh, I'm sure, sure that <laughs> helped fuel you guys, too. That was disrespectful. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we didn't let those things, uh, you know, blow over too easy. You know, we, we definitely, you know, anytime you give us, some some bait, you know, to to be able to to rile the crowd and rile the, the troops, you know, just believe it's gonna come back to bite you. So, all right, Jay. Well, I appreciate this again. I've had fun doing this with you guys again this year. Um, thanks so much for doing it. I told Jordan maybe we can get together uh, after the off- offensive coordinator's name, maybe in the spring, get an idea, maybe do a spring football update things like that but uh really appreciate you doing this again man thank you so much yeah no problem for sure all right guys well thanks for listening um we'll be back with some more podcasts on the hawk fanatic feed um stay tuned to that please subscribe give us likes if you would we appreciate it till then happy new year Uh